God, that is really hard to watch. And I um, can't imagine how hard it is for you to watch that every day in this world. For we know that you love the world. You love the world so much that you would send your son to try to get rid of all that. For you are a God of peace. And Jesus is the Prince of Peace. And so Jesus, we, we just, we're coming to you today to ask for an understanding of how at least those of us in this room might be able to be peacemakers. We thank you so much for last week and for the reminder that at least we're at peace with you, God, through Jesus Christ. And we pray now today that peace would expand and grow within our hearts that we might be able to offer it to each other for your honor and for your glory and for the fact that every person in this world matters to you. So we love you today. And God, I really want to ask uh, today that you might um, do what only you can do. And that is uh, open the eyes of our heart so that we can actually really see you. And we know that the truth that you want to reveal to us is divine. It is so beyond human ability to grasp. And yet, through your Spirit, through the Holy Spirit of God, you can help us to understand. And so I just pray today, and this time that we have together, that actually something divine would happen. And that if we thought we were just coming to church, we instead realize we just engage with the living God who is a God of peace. And we ask for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Man. I don't know about you guys, but watching that um, and just knowing that all through the history of the world this type of stuff has been going on, whether it's the Palestinians or the Israel or the Jews in Nazi Germany or stuff in Darfur or Croatia and Serbia, or Rwanda, North and South Korea, the Protestants and the Catholics in Northern Ireland, or our own racial hatred here in America. And um, I love Mother Teresa's quote, if we have no peace, it is because we have forgotten that we belong to each other. And the, obviously there's lots of different types of conflict, and the one we want to show here, and I'll explain why in a minute, but it's unbelievable the number of conflicts that have happened due to ethnic diversity, to, just due to the fact that we are a part of a different race. Um, in fact, just the definition of ethnicity means sharing distinctive cultural traits as a group in a society. In other words, we want to make sure that we, there's something in here that makes sure that we know that we're different. It's the opposite of actually belonging. As Mother Teresa says, that we belong to each other. We have this thing that somehow makes us feel like we're the opposite of each other. And I I think what actually eventually comes to the point where the conflicts start to come, though, 
is then it becomes about politics or economics or power or your rights um, and division instead of equality. And, and really, I think at some point, eventually there becomes a place of pride where you feel like your group or your idea or who you are is the right one and it's better and you demean the others around you. And the reason that we wanted to show this to you is because the scripture I'm going to teach from today um, starts off by explaining that there was this, this type of stuff that you just watched, that type of conflict was happening between the Jews and the Gentiles in the scripture. And when we were thinking about this service today, we were, we're going to start off and the verse will read about how the Jews and circumcision and the Gentiles and uncircumcision, and we realize most of us read that all the time and we just go, no, that's nice, you know, they, didn't, they weren't the same. And we wanted you to see the intensity of even that type of conflict. In fact, in the ancient world, it was one of the greatest conflicts as far as uh, uh, ethnicity would go. So they definitely didn't belong to each other. And they knew that. And the Jews made it very clear. We are proud of the fact that we are the chosen people of God. We're the circumcised. We have the symbol to let everybody else know that we belong to God and you don't. And there arose. Now, God's plan was to choose the Jewish people as his people. He did. But for the purpose of being a blessing to the rest of the world and not necessarily to be better or to be more proud than the rest of the world. But then you have the the Gentiles and the Greeks as well who just trusted in their own achievements and their power and their position. I mean, they felt like they were the best thing around. And so there was conflict. Now, I I just want to say today, obviously I don't know you, but my guess would be right here today, 2009, um, living in Salt Lake City, um, there's not as much of this that goes on for us. It's, it's maybe not our daily intense battle like it is here. For, it doesn't mean it doesn't exist in America. It still does. Uh, but I, I thought what I, I wanted to do today, though, is just to make sure that we would understand this. That if you're a human being and you decide to get next to another human being, you know what's going to happen, right? <laughs> I mean, you are going to experience conflict with each other if you're human and you decide to get next to another human being. This is a fallen world. The Bible teaches that. And every single person is broken somehow. No human being is full and complete in who they are. And because we're broken, maybe you've heard this before, hurt people hurt people. Have you ever heard that? And and, and guess what? Almost every human being has been hurt just in different ways. And so we hurt each other. It's just going to be part of our reality. So being at peace with each other is just hard. And that's why we know we have to talk about this today because my guess would be that in your world, there's conflict somewhere. Man, we've been praying. Many people have been praying for this day. Because again, if we are open to God and he's not just a theory or something we study and wonder about, but if he's actually real and alive and actually does take hearts and make them new, then there is hope for your conflict. And uh, one of the greatest things I've been praying for is every marriage in this room. Because if you're married, you have conflict. (laughs) Unless you're really weird, you have conflict. Some of us have more of it than others. But I know in this room right now, 
Some of you are here today and conflict. There, is, there are walls that are being built up. There is hostility right now, potentially in your relationship. And we are praying that today you might see what God could do to bring peace. Other family members, conflict at work, conflict maybe right here in this own, own room, anywhere, again, that you get close, that potential is there. That's why we have to talk about this, and also we're going to see, because it really, really matters to God. And can I just tell you, here's the line for today. You, we, just, we need to hold on to this today. We can be at peace. We can. The wall might seem too high. It might seem too thick. It might seem like the conflict has lasted too long. Like you know you watch these, these, these conflicts that we just saw on the screen and they, they've lasted for years and years, sometimes hundreds of years. And sometimes you just feel like there's just no way. And maybe you're like that right now. There's just no way that I could ever be at peace. And I want to tell you, there's always hope in Jesus Christ that we can be at peace. Now, one of the things we need to understand is what is peace? If you look up the definition of peace, normally what you will find was the Greek mindset of what peace is. And what peace is in that sense, it's the lack of conflict. In other words, peace means you have the absence of trouble. And so, wow, all right, great, there's no conflict, there's no trouble, and so therefore I have peace. What is so interesting about when the Bible talks about peace, you guys, it is not the absence of anything. It is the presence of something. That is completely different. See, because Jesus never said, hey, you know what, you guys will have peace because if you receive me, I'll get rid of all of your trouble. Right? I mean, if you're seeking Jesus so that he'll get rid of all your trouble, you're totally missing the boat. He's the one who said, no, can I just tell you something about this world? You're going to have trouble. But then he says this awesome thing in John 14 where he goes, but I don't give. Let me read it to you. He says, peace, I leave with you. My peace, I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. See, because peace in the Bible, and if you know from the Old Testament, is shalom. You guys ever heard that word? Shalom? See, shalom, when you would offer shalom and peace, what it was, you guys, it was a fullness, a completeness, a sound, absolute blessing of God. That's what peace was. And so it wasn't like, man, if I could just get everything taken care of, then I'd finally have peace. No, in the midst of this world and in the midst of wherever you're living or what doesn't matter, God is saying, I can give you peace. And you know what it is? You know what the peace is? It's him. It's him. I, in my very self, am peace, he says. And if you let me in you, then I will give you peace. And you can actually have this no matter what you're going through. And as we're going to look at in this message, and then no matter what you enter into, if you have Christ, then you can have peace. And then when you enter into conflict, you can actually bring the peace into it. So uh, we went to this men's thing, Ignite, this last weekend. How many of you guys were actually there? Okay, yeah. I mean, it, we, I think there were about 50 of us who went, and it was, man, next year if they come again, you need to go. I mean, it was, it was a really, really good event. But one of the things for me was we were singing this old hymn, 
And, uh, and as we were singing it, all I could think about was today. It's the perfect definition of peace. I think we might have it up on the screen. It's actually the second or third verse of this hymn. If you, if you guys know this, I know we don't have any musicians up here, but sing this with me. Well, actually, no. Before we sing it, let's read it together. Will you guys read this with me? Look at this. Pardon for sin and a peace that endureth thine own dear presence to cheer and to guide. Strength for today, bright hope for tomorrow. Blessings all mine with 10,000 beside. You guys, that right there is peace. Pardon for sin, which we talked about last week, having peace with God. A peace that endureth no matter what you're going through. His own dear presence, and there it is, to cheer and to guide. Strength for today. Bright hope for tomorrow. And then this is also shalom. Blessings. God says, I want to bless you completely and fully with 10,000 beside. Let's sing it. Pardon for sin and a peace that endureth thine own dear presence to cheer and to guide. Strength for today and bright hope for tomorrow. Blessings all mine with 10,000 beside. See, what I'm hoping I can get across to you guys today is if that is just a part of your life, then you can have peace. And if you have peace, then you can be a peacemaker in the world. And that is what God has for us. All right? So here we go. So last week, uh, how many of you were here last week? All right, excellent. So we talked about this whole idea of God, that we can actually be at peace with Him, that we have a defender (laughs) against our accuser, that we have someone over here who accuses us and lies to us and wants to beat you down and absolutely rob your peace and take everything away from you. But we have a defender, we have a defense attorney who stands in our place and says, hey, this guy is at peace with God. Now, not because of him, believe me, but because of me, because of Jesus Christ. And so some of the verses that we looked at, Romans 5.1 said, therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight, By faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. Can I just read you some of it? Again, those of you who are here, as I presented the defense, and it was Jesus just laying it out there, and I was just reading scripture. I'd like to read to you, actually, uh, one of the scriptures that I I, uh, shared last week. So we can remember, you guys, because the core of what I'm going to share with you is that the first thing that must happen for us to be able to be at peace with each other is to really absolutely be at peace with God, to have God who is peace with us. Ephesians 2.1, it starts here and he says, Once you were dead, doomed forever, because of your many sins, you used to live just like the rest of the world, full of sin, obeying Satan, the mighty prince of the power of the air. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way, following the passions and desires of your evil nature. We were born with an evil nature, and we were under God's anger, just like everybody else. We were not at peace with God. But, 
which is a great word in all of Scripture. We're going to get to another but. Never mind. But God is so rich in mercy, and He loved us so very much, that even while we were dead because of our many sins, He gave us life when He raised Christ from the dead. God saved us by His special favor, by His grace when you believed, and you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done so that none of us can boast about it, for we are God's masterpiece. And He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things that He planned for us long ago. Now, is that still good news? Is anybody alive today? Everybody get your coffee? All right. I'm telling you, if that still doesn't just explode with gratitude in your heart, if you can't remember last week, This whole idea, if you've ever sat on the witness stand and you know you're guilty and you, the accusations come and you go, you're right, I deserve the sentence and the sentence is death and you're going down and somebody hops in your way and pardons you? Are you kidding me? You'll pay that for me? Holy crow. See, this is really, really good news. Now, we're going to go on and here's where we're going to teach today. The very next verse we're going to go on. And it starts with this important word, verse 11 in in Hebrews 2, with this word, therefore. Therefore. Every time you see therefore, you need to ask, what's it there for? That's a biblical way to understand scripture. So what you do is you go, if this verse starts with therefore, what he's talking about is because you're at peace with God. Because Jesus paid your price. Because he now lives inside you, therefore... Here we go. Ready? Remember that formerly you who were Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, that done in the body by the hands of men, remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in this world. So you guys, there it is. This is the conflict right here. One guy I read, he goes, there was just a bunch of name calling going on. You know, can you imagine that calling? You uncircumcised. Whoa, you know. I mean, settle down. Yeah, I mean, and again, that's why when we read this, it doesn't mean anything to us. And that's why we wanted to show you the picture, though, that there was so much spiritual pride in here, seeing themselves better than one or the other. They weren't belonging to each other, you guys. Look at this again. You were excluded from each other. It says, you did not belong to another. You 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 didn't belong to God. You were separate from Christ. You were without God. See, this was two divisions. These were two different people. These were two different ethnic groups completely living with a different commitment to a different God. (laughs) And there was conflict. All right? Now, look at verse 13. There's that beautiful word. But, I'm telling you, you want to just scribble that or circle it all over the place in your Bible. Because when you see the word but, what does it mean? It means things can be different. Things can actually change. The old way does not need to always continue. God is in the business of redemption, which means he makes things new again. So here's these hundreds of years conflict going on between the Jews and the Gentiles, and they couldn't get along. There was no peace whatsoever. They were completely excluded. They didn't belong to each other. But everything could change. Here we go. But now, 
In Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ. For He Himself is our peace, who has made the two one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. By abolishing in His flesh the law with its commandments and its regulations, His purpose was to create in Himself one new man out of the two, thus making peace. And in this one body, to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. He came and he preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him, we both have access to the Father by one spirit. Now, can I just, can I share with, with you? I, I, I bet none of you are saying that, man, that's my favorite passage of scripture. That's the first one I memorized. I mean, I love the book of Ephesians, and I'll be honest with you, I would say that this section in all of Ephesians is the one that doesn't make much sense. Like, for years, I would just read this and go, okay, let's get through that verse. uh, Let's go to chapter 3. All right. But you guys, there is such a huge, incredibly important lesson here. Let me try to teach it to you. And here's the deal. We can be at peace. Would you guys say that with me? Let's say it together. We can be at peace peace we can and i want you to think about your dividing wall of hostility right now your thing that you are feeling like there is no way this is coming down and i want you to now say but what does god say about that how can we be at peace and here's how you guys the first thing is this jesus is the one who makes the peace he does this This is really, really important because this is not something that you have within yourself. Jesus says, my peace I give to you, I do not give as the world gives. You may have the world's peace, which is very circumstantial. You know, hey, good, the economy's great and I got a job and my family's getting along, the kids are healthy, I'm at peace, right? And and, and then all that falls apart and now you don't have peace. See, and what Jesus is saying, that's not the kind of peace I give. He's saying, and here's what we need to understand. We can have peace. You can. But Jesus is the one who makes it. You guys, let me, let's just go. Can you go throw up the passage of Scripture again, Shannon? That'd be awesome. And let me just show you some of the things in here. Because over and over and over again in this passage, uh, actually starting with verse, um, let's see. Where am I? Uh, 13. Let's start with verse 13. All these things are passive. See, this is when it gets fun to study the Bible. In other words, you know what that means when, the, when a verb is passive? What does it mean? What's that? It's not active, which means what? You don't do it. It's something that's actually done to you. Well, look what happens here. What does it say here? It says, in Christ Jesus, you who were once far have been brought near. Way down at the bottom, one of the verses it said, we now have access to God through Christ. So in other words, how did you get actually near to God? How did you, how can you, right now today, how can you have access to God? Can you get there? Can you get there on your own? No. See, what he's telling us here is you were brought near. (laughs) Through Christ you have access. In other words, the only way that you can be at peace with God in the first place is Jesus is the one who actually does it. It's a great picture of being carried. 
You know, it's literally like you can't get there, so someone picks you up and carries you. Do you guys ever hike with your kids? Yeah? You know, you know, just picture that right there. You got your kids back and you're hiking up. You want to go up to the top of the mountain and they're just back there going, whining and complaining and need a break and want snacks and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And so then eventually, let's say you take your kid and you put him on your shoulders and you carry him all the way to the top of the mountain. You get up at the top and what do they say? I did it! <laughs> you know, and you're like, yeah, well, okay, if you want to think that, that's fine. See, what the Bible tells us over and over again, you guys, is that we have what we have because what Christ did. He's the one who brought us near. And then it goes later on. I'll just read through them because I'm going to run out of time here. He says, and he destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. See, man, Jews and Gentiles, they weren't going to destroy that wall. Are you kidding me? They they, they just weren't going to do it. But the Bible says that Jesus destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. Then it says, he abolished the law. He abolished it. You know what that means? Then now, all of a sudden, it is no longer through our work that we are made right before God. It's through his work. And we just receive that. And then it says, he reconciled us both to God. He came and he preached peace to us, and he still does. Now, what does that mean? And I, I, this is what's weird to me, you guys. I'm, I'm, we're going to do a lot of teaching today. It is critical. That's why I really pray that we'd understand this. When you realize that the only way I'm getting access to God is if Jesus brings me near. The only way the dividing wall of hostility is going down is if Jesus takes it down. The only way I have peace with God is because Jesus Christ gives me peace with God. See, it goes, then, then you know what happens? All of a sudden, you have this huge sense, I do anyway, a huge sense of humility. An absolute, I mean, this is when you just, you just, you get down and you just go, own, when this finally makes sense to you, you finally realize the only way I'm going to have life with God is because of Jesus Christ. You guys, you know what's interesting? I think Christian actually said this. It was so good. I think I, yeah. Is is pride, where did I have this? This is a really good line. (laughs) Bummer. Uh, Anyway, anyway, there's this whole idea that pride, pride always stands against peace. It just always does. But I'm telling you what, man, humility is always a building a bridge to peace. Okay, that was so like, Not smooth. Let me try that again. Here we go. Pride will always stand in the way of peace and humility will always build a bridge of peace. I'm going to say it one more time. Pride will always stand in the way of peace but humility will always build a bridge of peace. And I think why God gave us this passage of Scripture was to help you very clearly understand This is something Jesus does for you. And once you understand that, it is a humbling thing, and now you can finally look at other people and realize, man, I'm not any better than you. I'm not any better than you. I only have what I have because Jesus gave it to me. All right? So that's the first thing. We can be at peace. Okay, I'm I'm, I'm, going to be like our speakers this weekend. Let's say it together again. Ready? Let's do it again. We can be at peace. How? 
Jesus needs to make the peace. Okay, here's the second one. Not only does he need to make the peace for us, secondly, and this is the, this is the beautiful, the most beautiful thing. Look, in fact, let's look at the scripture real quick. Shannon, if you can throw up verse 14. Let's look at this. Look at 14. What does it say? For he himself is our peace. Jesus is our peace. Now, I'm, I'm just going to guess because I have to really study this stuff. So my guess is some of you are sitting there going, cool, but I have no idea what that means. How is Jesus Christ our peace? Do you guys remember Forrest Gump? You guys remember that? Okay. Do you remember Lieutenant Dan? You remember Lieutenant Dan and, and how he, I mean, that dude was just angry at the world and he was harsh and he was just all over the place and just living this crazy life. And then you remember that storm coming in on the boat and he's up at the top and he's just having it out with God. And then the next morning the storm is gone and it's calm on the water and Lieutenant Dan's just floating in the water. And what does Forrest Gump say? Lieutenant Dan found peace with God. He found his peace with God. And how was Lieutenant Dan after he found his peace with God? He was a new man. He was a new man. He was a new man. And I want to tell you right now, Jesus Christ is your peace. And if you think you can't have peace then you don't know Jesus Christ because he is peace. And once he comes into your life, now he is the one, again, who can create your peace. So I was thinking about this, and again, going back to what we, what we learned last week, uh, first what happens, at least it happened for me, is you have this unbelievable gratitude, you guys. Can, can I just say it again? If you stood, if you've ever stood in the spiritual realm in the witness stand, and been accused over and over again, and you know, you finally realize, oh my goodness, I am guilty before a holy God. And your sentence is absolutely sure, and you know it's going to happen. And then Jesus pardons you. Jesus Christ pays your price. Jesus Christ defends you, and you're free. I'm telling you, once that becomes real to you, how do you live? I, I don't know about you guys, man, for me, I finally can live free. And now I actually have gratitude in my heart. And there's a sense of just, thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus, because this is what you have done for me. And you guys, here's the key. Once you've received what God has done for you completely, and you know that you are not worthy of it at all, you have peace. And once you have peace, now you can bring it with you. This is the key right now to any conflict that you're in right now. Because if you're in a conflict with somebody, my guess would be, and again, are we going to have conflict with everybody? Yes, we are. But when the conflict happens, the question is, what are you going to bring? Are you going to bring accusation? Or are you going to bring mercy? Well, my question is, well, what have you received? If you're receiving accusation, you're probably going to give accusation. But I'm telling you this, man. If you have received the mercy of God, you're given mercy. 
At least you better, because Jesus gives this incredible parable of the ungrateful servant <laughs> who got all the mercy from God and then wouldn't give it to others. That's not a pretty picture. What you give, you cannot, once you, what you have received, you can finally now give. And then what happens when you're defended and you receive Jesus Christ into your life? He says, now the Holy Spirit of God lives in you. Jesus Christ is our peace because now the Bible tells us he actually dwells in my heart. He's here. Now, Is he? Is he? Really? And can I just ask all of you who are Christians in this room today, really, seriously, answer this question. Is Jesus Christ in you? Because if he is, then you have peace. And you know what he can do? He can give you the eyes to see people the way that he sees them. He can give you the mercy that he's already given them. (laughs) See, because Jesus loves the world. And he loves every person. And what's awesome is Jesus is offering forgiveness to everybody. Do you think Jesus Christ is at peace? He's so at peace in his love for every person. Now, does everybody take his forgiveness? No, they don't. And so that's what's so wild is somehow you can actually have peace in your heart even if you can't have peace in the relationship. You guys all know that, how that works, right? Because sometimes it just, it's just not... Because for there to actually be reconciliation, it has to come both ways. It has to be received. But you, I want you to know that you can be at peace. And so can we. We can, because you know that Jesus Christ, if he's in you, and I want to tell you this, so think about this for a second. If there's someone in this room, maybe, or your spouse, or I don't know who it is, and right now at this point, you are saying, I can't forgive you. I'm going to hold this against you. What what really hit me with this is this, you guys, um, is then what happens is you are making an accusation against somebody that Jesus Christ has already pardoned. Do you know what you're really saying is? Hey, Jesus' work on the cross was not good enough for you. I'm holding you to this thing, even though Jesus doesn't. The other thing that hit me was this, is if you become the accuser of somebody else who's been forgiven by Christ, then you know what happens is? You throw out the accusation, and you're actually going against Jesus, who's the prosecuting attorney. (laughs) I mean, do you think you're going to win that battle? You're just not. And let me share one last thing on this. Last week, I shared with you that we have a spiritual enemy who seeks to accuse you, and he does it to me, as I shared last week, all the time, and I know he does it to you because he wants to rob you of your life. But you know what else he does? If he can't accuse you directly, many times he will work to make you the accuser. What he'll do is he'll make you all of a sudden think you I've got it all together and all of a sudden he'll start to make you think that you're better than everybody else 
And the next thing you'll do is you'll look out at other people and you'll see all the faults that they have and you'll call them on it. And you guys, we just can't do that. That's not Jesus. It's not Jesus. And if Jesus is your peace and you've received Christ, then you are the one who gives mercy. You are the one who gives grace. And you are the one who's kind. Do you see how we can be at peace? And the only way I think it can happen in reality when the wall of hostility is too big is to receive Jesus Christ. So we can be at peace, you guys, because of Jesus. And here's the point. We have the ability, but we also have the responsibility because this is who you are. This is our reality. And, and, um, and let, me just, I just, let me just close the day today by, um, again, I, I'm feeling, I'm going to do a teaching. I just gotta need to real do a teaching here for you tonight to understand something here. And that is, this is who you are. What I'm going to share with you is four things that this scripture passage right here tells us who you are. Okay? If you're a follower of Jesus today, and Jesus is inside you, and he is your peace, then he tells us four things. The first one was this. In, ch- in verse 15 of chapter 2, it said, His purpose, in other words, Jesus Christ's purpose, was to create in himself one new man out of the two, thus making peace. Can I, can I just throw you a side note here on this uh, verse 15? How many of you, when you ever thought about Jesus Christ dying on the cross, thought, you know what, the purpose of Christ, what, if, if somebody was going to ask you, what was Christ's purpose for dying on the cross, what would you say? Oh, okay, you know, you're not going to answer me. <laughs> my guess is if you know Christianity, you would say, well, his purpose of dying on the cross was to forgive me of my sins so I could be reconciled to God, right? Okay, what does he say his purpose was? To create in himself one new man out of the two. How many of you have ever thought about that? See, now, he goes on to say what? And thus making peace, and in his one body, he reconciled both of them to God. But here's the point, you guys. What Jesus wanted to do, obviously, was to reconcile you to God. But what did he also want to do? He wanted to make us reconciled to each other. He wants us to be at peace. And so here's one thing that's true about you if you're a follower of Jesus Christ. You may have had hostility before, but now what are you? You are a new man. In other words, that would mean like a body, which remember what the church is? What's the church? The body of Christ. So now, even though we're all individuals, we have been made one. Now I'm telling you, you know, I'm playing softball right now, and I'm, I'm a joke. I, I really am. I, I, I just, I'm the, I'm the uh, com- comedic relief for everybody out there because I can't hardly run the bases without pulling my hamstring or pulling some muscle. And you guys know what happens, right? When you pull your muscle, it happened this last Monday, right? I get this hit, I'm rounding the bases, and all of a sudden, twing, and you're like, you know, there's Dross over here laughing at me. You know, it's just this, I can't, and, and what happens? Because when the things that are supposed to be together get pulled apart, my body doesn't work. And then where do I go? Yeah, on the ground? Well, not that far. But, uh, but I go to the bench. I have to go to the bench and watch the game. And I hate that. And you know what? Too often, you guys, we are sitting on the spiritual bench. And the church 
is supposed to be this force that goes into the world and defeats the gates of hell. Is what Jesus said. By this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And you know what the church is doing? It's going against the gates of hell like this. I'm coming. You know, hold on. But you know what? I can't get along with the people around me. You guys, we are supposed to be a body of Christ joined and held together. And I'm telling you, without peace, we'll never do that. But we have peace. Okay? So one of your realities is you are the body of Christ. And let's just bust through these last ones. Let's go ahead to verse 19, Shannon. It says, Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household. Number one, who are you? You are a new man. All of us. You are the body of Christ. Number two, who are you? We are now fellow citizens. Philippians 3.20 tells us that our citizenship is in heaven. In other words, there are rights and responsibilities with being a citizen, of being American. If we're going to get along here in America, there are certain things we do for each other to live at peace with one another. No matter who you are now, what God has done is he's made us fellow citizens. We are all one. We all are citizens of heaven. We're all going home someday. That's who you are. Number two, he gets a little more intimate. He says you are members of God's household. You know what that is? It means you're part of his family. That's what a household is. He goes, not only are you citizens, you guys, you are family. You are family. Now, for many of us, did anybody fight with anybody more than your family members? <laughs> I mean, isn't that what siblings are for? Is just to learn how to fight? I mean, I mean, there's so much conflict that goes into our families. But we are knit together. And guess what, man? My, my dad was here. He's my dad. My brothers are my brothers. My sisters are my sisters. We're family. And you look around here, and he just says, you are. You are a body. You are fellow citizens. And you are family. And then he goes on, and he says, you are built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets with Christ Jesus himself as a chief cornerstone. In him, the whole body is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. What are you? He, Jesus, the other illustration Paul goes here is you're a building. And you are being built together. You know what's going on? We're having a barn raising. That's what's happening. I mean, we're coming, everybody's coming together and saying, man, we are building this thing up. And you guys, what does he say? Why? To be a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. And what is his spirit? Why did God want to bring us together? Because he wanted his spirit in my heart. He wanted it in Mark's heart. He wanted it in Diane's heart. He wanted it in Jim's heart. And what is the spirit of God? It's a spirit of love and of peace and of humility and gentleness and forgiveness and grace and mercy. And when God's spirit comes in my heart and Mark's heart, then we have a chance together to do what? To be at peace. And you know what happens? This is amazing. He says, I am doing this so that you would become a dwelling in which God would live by his spirit. You guys, it is absolutely necessary for us to have the peace of God 
if we're ever going to be able to live in at peace with each other. And you know what Jesus said? In John 17, he said, Oh man, God, Father, please, bind them together and make them one. Because if they could be one, then the whole world would know that you sent me. The whole world would know that you sent me. You know why this message, you guys, is so critical today? Because for K2, the church, to be strong, the only way it's going to be joined and held together is by peace. And the only way the world, the only way Salt Lake is ever going to know that Jesus Christ is actually alive is if somehow we would be at peace with each other. See, you know what's ultimately really wild about this? It's not even about you. It ain't really ever about you. It's about me. No, I'm kidding. Um, When we put our life at the center and think that everything revolves around that, that's going to cause chaos. The reason, ultimately, that God needs us to be at peace with each other and why he lives in our hearts to give us peace is so that we would show the world And somehow he says, if you'll do that, the world will know. So that's why we have denominations and first, second, and third, fourth, and fifth, and sixth Baptist church. Because the church has not been able to be at peace. And guess what? Does the world know that Jesus was sent from the Father? Nope. Man, I want to tell you, Do you have Christ? Because if you do, then you have peace. And if you have peace, then when conflict happens, not if, when it happens, you can bring peace and gentleness and kindness and forgiveness. And then there's hope for every single one of us. And there's hope for the world. Okay, let's pray. Ben, come on up. Father, again, I just want to say thank you because I know I don't deserve to be at peace with you. But I know that I am because of Jesus Christ. And I want to thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit. I want to thank you that you are a God of peace and that you live in me. And Jesus, I want to just pray again right now that somehow you would help us understand through this passage that when you died on that cross, you were not dying just so that we could be reconciled to God. You, that's, that is what you were doing. But you were working to reconcile all of us to God so that we would have one spirit within us so that we could forgive each other with the forgiveness we've received so that we'd be kind to each other with the kindness we received. And Lord, I just pray that maybe on this morning you might give vision to everyone in this room to extend peace to the people in their lives so the world might be able to see that you really are alive and very true. And we pray for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Guys, we're going to take um, some moments here and just worship. Um, I want to read for you... uh, the words to the song. It's a new, isn't this new that we're doing? Is this, this is the first one here that we've never done. 
And it starts off and it says, everyone needs compassion, a love that's never failing. Let mercy fall on me. Everybody needs forgiveness, the kindness of a Savior, the hope of nations. He can move the mountains. My God is mighty to save. And I just, as we, as we look about this, you guys, I just want to encourage you that your God is a God who not can only can move mountains, he can also destroy walls and barriers of hostility. And let mercy fall on me. I, I'm hoping as we worship here today, you guys, that we would just have a chance to say, God, I want to be a peacemaker. I want to be a peacemaker. Reveal to me that you are in me so that you could now live through me to this world. And let, would you guys do, let's take this moment. Let's not sing songs. Let's use this moment as a chance to give our heart to God and say, God, touch me again with your peace, with your own mercy and kindness. Let me revel in how much you love me. And then help me as I connect my heart with yours that I will walk out of here a new man, a new woman, ready to give peace to the world. And we're going to take our offering, you guys, as we do this first song, which again, just I always say this because it's just what Jesus said. Where your treasure is is where your heart is. And to know that as you give today, those of you who came prepared, as you give today, you are symbolizing that your heart belongs to God. And if your heart belongs to God, then what kind of heart do you have? A heart of peace. So man, as you offer your gifts to God, that's also a great way to say, my heart is yours, God. Make me a peacemaker. Let's worship together.